I do really enjoy discussing with people who've been in the trenches writing code for many years, like how they do what they do and the way they go about making decisions, uh, designing their software. Like that's really where I end up camping out. Welcome to the Open at Intel podcast, where we're all about open source, from software to security to innovation and beyond. I'm your host, Katherine Druckmann, an open source evangelist at Intel, bringing you leading edge, free ranging conversations from some of the best minds in the open source community. Let's get into it. While at KubeCon, I sat down with Jared Santo and Adam Stakoviak of the ChangeLog podcast network. We had a particularly fun time diving into the world of tech-focused podcasting, storytelling, and why we get so excited about telling open source stories. If you've ever wanted a peek behind the curtain of your favorite podcast, this one is for you. Enjoy. Hey, Adam and Jared, thank you for joining me. Thank you for, you know, taking a little time out of KubeCon. Oh, Because yeah. everyone's super busy and there's too much to see here and do. And it's a circus to. out there. It is. In, there are a lot of people. It is very people-y. We wanted to see every booth, but then we saw how many booths there are. Yeah. And, and we how realized many talks we're and probably not going to see every booth. That's a challenge, yes. Yeah. So so tell me, what are, you, what are y'all doing here? You're recording podcasts too, right? This is very meta, this it episode. Is. Yeah, we're doing podcasts. Uh, normally, we get a booth and we record from our booth, but we are mobile this year, and we are walking around, talking to people, seeing what's going on. Cool. Get a lay of the land, trying to win some socks and some yeah, there are a lot of Lego, socks. trying to win some Lego. Somebody's giving away coffee, bucks, couple PS fives, stuff like oh. that. So far, I haven't won anything. Really, I got coffee, but you know. But anyway, um, so tell for for the people who are listening to this someday somewhere, tell us a little bit about your podcast network and. I would really like to know your story. I'd like to know how did you get started in this crazy world that is talking into microphones? How far back should we go? Go all the way. All the way back. All the way. All the way. Me, where, where were you born? <laughs> A small town in Pennsylvania. Um, so podcasting, I was working in software on the front end and was working with a couple people that actually produced a podcast. Okay. And this is back in 2005. Ah, early days. Earliest days, yeah. And uh, when it was but a little RSS feed, it was a little yes. enclosure. Tag. And you had to drag your files out of iTunes. Did you? Oh, yeah. I mean, the early, early days, if you were going to do it actually podcasting, like on yeah. an iPod, mm -hmm. you had to actually drag the files into iTunes. Or, I'm sorry, you had to sync iTunes to your yeah, iPod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said it wrong. Yep. You had to like subscribe plug it in there, and then, plug yep. it in. Yeah, it wasn't yep. a drag and drop, but it was a drag. I forget. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a yeah. while. It got better. Yeah. But uh, the, the co-host of that show couldn't be um, a host anymore. And so he's like, hey, I got an opening for a host. Do you want to work with me? I'm like, sure. <laughs> and uh, the rest is history in a way. Um, eventually, we started a consultancy together, and that podcast became an asset of the business. And through some change, essentially, he had to leave the business. And so the asset stayed with me, and I'm like, well, I got to keep doing this. Kept doing it, and eventually evolved the idea into more things. And so that show was called The Web 2.0 Show. Oh, my gosh. That takes me back. That's how far back it goes. But, you know, we so, talked to lots of people. Mint.com at the earliest of days. Oh, I, 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 so did I. Yeah. But, that, but for a different, not for a podcast or a Linux journal, actually. The so, GitHub yeah. founders were on that show 
three months after GitHub's inception. Wild. So we talked to Tom Preston Warner and Chris Wanstroth in the offices of Pivotal Labs, I want to say May 2008. Huh. And I think it was incepted like January, February, maybe. So like legit right after GitHub was GitHub. Wild. So, so all, so, but you've evolved into how many shows do you have? How many shows we got, Jared? Well, we have the changelog. Which the changelog is a big one, right? That's the yeah. big one. And that has three flavors. So it's one show, but there's a news component on Mondays. There's our interviews on Wednesdays. And then on Friday, we have a talk show, which is recurring guests, topical conversations. And so that's all, that's three different flavors of that show. Then, then we then we have other podcasts. There's yeah. more. I know you have Practical AI. That's right. Practical yes. AI is a big hit. Uh, we have JS Party. That's all about web development. We have Go Time, which is about the Go programming language, systems programming, etc. Uh-huh. We have Founders Talk, which is Adam's show. It's one-on-one conversations with founders, CEOs, and makers. Is that all of them? We have Ship It. Which, say JS Party. I said JS Party. Okay. Ship It is a is our cloud DevOps, uh, get it, getting things into production and seeing what happens. Yeah. Show. Is that all of our shows? Request for commits is on. Uh-huh. It's, That's retired. It's retired. Okay. It was uh, 20 episodes. Was yeah. 20 episodes? Mini-series. Yeah, kind of like that. It <laughs> had a plan was. for longer, but it just... Um, the hosts were done with the topic, basically. Fair. And they so wanted to move on to new things. How many hosts do you have under your umbrella? It's not... Mm. Like, you can't it's possibly all two. do this by no. yourselves. No. So we have a couple of panel shows. So JS Party and GoTime are both community-oriented panel discussions, okay. of which I'm one of the panelists on JS Party, but neither one of us are on GoTime. Uh, GoTime has about six rotating hosts, and JS Party has eight. And any show has anywhere between one and three of those people on it with guests and stuff. So there's a group there. And then Practical AI is Chris Benson and Daniel Whitenack. They've, since day one, have been the Practical AI co-hosts. And so we work with them uh, to produce that show. And Ship It was with Gerhard Lazoo. Now we're in the process. We put that on hold because he got a... Uh, a very busy life at Dagger, and we said, okay, let's set that aside. Now we're thinking about picking it back up again uh, with a new host, so there's one there. Who else do we work with? That's it. That, that's yeah, our, that's about our, right. That's our posse. So that's probably cool. like 12-ish. Awesome. So people don't realize, I think, sometimes how much work a podcast oh, is. Preach it, sister. People, people, you know, a lot of, like, there's a little bit of a trend in tech uh, organizations. Yes. Companies, hey, let's start a podcast. That shouldn't be too difficult. But those of us who have done it even a little bit, yeah. even for a few, handful of years like me, are painfully aware <laughs> that it is a, quite a bit of work. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of post-production. It's not just hanging out and having conversations, right? Right. Um, how, tell us a little bit. <laughs> tell the world. For all of the people out there thinking they want to start a podcast. How much? Uh, how much time would you say you spend like researching topics, um, recruiting yeah. guests, and all of that? That's a good question. I mean, we've had the the pleasure uh, to be able to turn it into a business, and so it's easier now to right, do that you work. Support, you know, we have support. We also don't have other things to do, so like we can put a lot of work. Right, into this it. is your actual job. But yeah. the answer is constant. I mean, it's you're constantly yeah. scheduling. You're constantly trying to see what's interesting. You know, yeah. because one of the things that we do is we help people realize and know what's interesting right now and why. Right. I mean, that's a lot, of, a lot of why people come to us. And so we have to keep up with all of that stuff. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. I don't know exact hours on research and scheduling, yeah. but I mean, but scheduling on have... a podcast is a constant thing. When you have yeah, five yeah. podcasts a week, 
It's just, it's just one of the things that you're always yep. doing. And you have to have a broad, you don't have to have deep knowledge, but you have to have incredibly broad knowledge. You have to know a little bit about every single thing there is, practically. And yeah. that's that's a tough place to be. And I wonder, how, how, like, how do you pray? I mean, I assume you're always reading, like I am. Just I'll, humbleness, honestly. Is it humble to say you're humble? I don't know. No. No. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> because we approach things in the lens of being an imposter. So we tend mm. to be no, the imposter well, for our do. audience yeah. in a way. Well, you're an audience proxy, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we can't, because our show is so broad, we can't know everything about no. everything, obviously. But what we can do is we can use our experience from here and from there to understand areas where we're not that mm-hmm. deep. And just ask questions, obviously. Learn their story. In most cases, it's them sharing their story, not sure. us knowing right. what their story is. And as they begin to share it, obvious uh, patterns begin to emerge that you can pattern match towards and apply to pretty much every conversation. No. You pick a CEO out here or a lead dev or a CTO and sit us down and talk to them. We could probably have a good conversation with pretty much anybody here with well, almost no research. It really. helps that open source people especially are very interesting. They yeah. just happen to be interesting people. Thankfully. You're attracted to the culture in a way that the culture is different than than non <laughs> than non open source tech. And so I think it attracts an interesting group of people. So that is that's half the battle, right? Is finding somebody who's interesting. But um, yeah, I wondered also, as you say, you you know, you approach everything from the from the lens of an imposter. Again, you talk to so many people, and I, I feel the same way. I'm, we're in a privileged position that you get you get to gather information constantly. Yeah, you're constantly talking about the next cool thing, or and 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 you get people who are incredibly excited about their topics and their areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. How do, does that kind of influence what you get excited about? Like, it, it must at some point kind of narrow it down. And I'm kind of curious to know like what you are most excited about, given that you've had all of these conversations. Where, where, what's interesting to you in the open source world right now? So, gosh, that's a a big question. I have asked myself this over time, like, what is a typical Jared interest, you know? Because a lot of times we're serving our audience. We're listener first. We want to serve our audience. So I'm often thinking, like, what does our listener want to learn about, need to know about, et cetera? Not so much what I am. But what I've realized about myself, at least personally, over time, is a I really geek out on open source licensing stuff. Uh, okay. And yeah. I just, I think more so than our audience, I just enjoy for some reason yes the thought no, processes that go into it. Still being a layman in the area, right? Like yeah. still bringing on the experts to talk to us. But I enjoy those conversations because they just fascinate me. But then, uh, specifically, in the craft of software, I don't really subscribe to like the craftsmanship movement because I know that was like a proper noun at one point. But I do really enjoy discussing with people who've been in the trenches writing code for many years like how they do what they do and the way they go about making decisions uh designing their software like that's really where i end up camping out so those Mm. kind of topics myself what about you adam Hmm. well i want to answer one question for jared because there was many times after a show he would be like i gotta play with this like right now like the excitement it was just too real yeah yeah but I would say, for me, I, I just like people. I came for the software, but I stay for the people. And for me, in many cases, like I just get so excited about somebody else's story. Learning yeah. about it, helping them realize where they could go and should go. Sometimes dreaming with them and giving them a path because they're just so close to their problem set, they can't quite see yeah. the holistic picture. 
And I feel like that's kind of like a a skill I have in a way. And I enjoy hearing people's stories. So I think that's what brings it to me. I like open source licensing, of course. I love <laughs> business. Yeah. I love the the journey of, of zero to one, what it takes to get there. Yeah. And then Getting from one to two. Getting anything started is hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, how do you not only have the idea, but incept it, build a story around it, build a company around it, build a team around it, get people to invest into it, and then actually provide product market fit and value to customers and then profit. Mm. I like the profit side more than the, the <laughs> like, I'm all for startups and, you yeah. know, what it takes to get to profit, but, you know, I like sustainable things. Yeah. So. A lot of respect for people who get there. What no. about you? What do you get oh, out of Oh, yeah. So, so it's funny you mentioned licensing because I really enjoy those conversations too. I've been, okay. in, especially in the, uh, um, you know, in the past several years, you could say, uh, there have been a lot of controversies around software licensing. Absolutely. And I love getting into those conversations. I love hearing both sides. You know, here, we were in this tough spot, and here's the, the we made this call. Maybe it was the right one, maybe it was the wrong one, and those are very interesting. I love hearing from experts on licensing. I work with several of them, and that's really interesting, too. But, I, you know, I'm really excited about security, because maybe I'm a little paranoid, mm. but I'm, I'm, I'm right now I'm the most excited about how the open source community is reacting to heightened scrutiny on open source software in particular. I also really like kind of along, uh, along the, the lines of what Adam was saying, um, not so much the, the business side and the profit, profitability side, but I really enjoy the observing the life cycle of an open source project, what it takes to create something, release it into the world, which is a little bit of a scary thing, Yeah, mm-hmm. and then build a community around it and get people to actually contribute to people who, get people to actually want to help you build something and make it better. And, you know, that's really cool. To yeah. Me. And, and getting to that, getting other people excited about what you're excited about is, is also a skill. And I think that's absolutely really fun to kind of watch and talk to, talk to people about. And I love hearing project maintainers talk about how they get more people to open those pull requests, you know, because people are taking time out of their very, val- you know, very, packed schedule again to to write code for you and yeah. or documentation or tweet for you or whatever it is that, that people are doing with any open source project i think that's pretty cool yeah it's amazing how some people have the ability to inspire others like i'm giving my labor away to the world open source yeah and what i'm doing is so valuable and interesting that other people yeah. are like you know what i'm gonna give mine away too i'm gonna yeah. actually make yours better just give you this gift on top of that other gift. Um, what's the fellow's name? Georgi Gurganov, the Llama.cpp. Yeah. I mean, just in terms of people who just seem like they have that ability. Like, if you watch his repos recently, uh, a lot of it's like bringing ML model usage to the masses via uh-huh. open source tooling. I mean, the PRs he gets are like huge features. Really technical, really interesting. He's just inspired all these very smart skilled developers to work on his projects with him and that's just incredibly yeah, fascinating cool. yeah and you know it, it you know you talk about the word imposter which you know it, well it's real getting people to contribute is not just about getting them excited it's also getting them over the hurdle of being terrified to open the pull request yeah because you know we being on the other end of it and being somebody who has op- opened many of pull requests, it took me years to work up the courage to do that because you have this sense that, well, the people who are maintaining, who have actual, you know, commit access, well, they, they know, they must know 
way more than I do, right? They're, those are the experts. I couldn't possibly have anything to contribute there. I'll leave that to people who know what they're doing. But eventually you work up the curtain. You go, oh, wait, I actually do know some things. I can help fix this issue and that issue. And, yeah. And it, but it takes a lot of courage, I think, to get there. Kind of, if I could segue a bit, kind of like the courage it takes to stand in front of a microphone mm. and hit record, which is a whole <laughs> other thing. Yeah. And I wondered if y'all if y'all could speak to that. Like again, you've been doing this for so many years; it probably comes pretty naturally to you, but it doesn't necessarily come naturally to your guests. And I wonder, you know, how you help people through that. How because again, it it can be intimidating. Yeah. Now again, if you're talking to people who are startup founders and they've pitched their idea to VCs and they're they're maybe more comfortable speaking, but. When you talk to developers and people who yep. are immersed in code and IDEs all day, they don't necessarily have that level of confidence in speaking. And I wonder how you help those people along. I feel like our answer is logical. We're just people being yeah. people with people. right? Like we don't treat them. We, we come to conversation. We, when we talk to them, like the pre-conversation, so to speak, before yeah. we're actually recording, but it's prior to what will actually be the show. We're like, this is the show. We're just like this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, cool. Okay, that's cool. And they relax. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not us throwing questions at them and us grilling them on X, Y, or Z. It's just... Listening. It's right. just a conversation yeah. between people who are geeking out about software and what it takes to create good software and good community and to show up and to give and to, you know, I don't know, all the things that are involved in open source and being a, a maintainer, a contributor, a community member. And we just have a conversation. And that, to me, seems like a logical answer, but not everybody's like, that's should well, be the answer like it should be somehow different i think that that's true and i know what you're saying but at a more practical level like we do have a process that we take people through that's intentional and sure. maybe we take it for granted now because we do it so often that's probably true Most but likely, like yeah. it yeah. starts with a we have a guest guide yeah okay. and we send that to them and it, we've written it and we've rewritten it and we've updated it and it's very much like setting expectations so that's the first thing is like making sure they know exactly what to expect and how they can prepare themselves if they're a person who wants to be very prepared. Sometimes some people do. Just yeah. being prepared is relaxing. For me, I get more anxious the more prepared I get. So I just don't. But for them, sometimes it does. And so here's a way that you can prepare. And then, you know, when the conversation starts that he's talking about, you know, we say certain things to help relax them. Like for instance, this is not live. This is gonna be professionally edited. Oh, unless it is live. <laughs> and if you screw up, no big deal. You can start over. Yeah. Our editor's amazing. He listens to every word that we say. You know, he takes good care of you. He's going to make all of us sound way smarter than we are. And we say stuff like that, which I think helps people relax and realize that they're in good hands. And right. also, we are, you know, like Adam says, we start talking to them about things that have nothing to do with the show. So usually, what you have for breakfast is where we start because anybody can talk about that. And it's a good thing to ask for a sound check. It's a good know? icebreaker. Yeah. And then you start talking about food. Now we're talking about food for a while, you know, and then we get into it. We ask them if there's anything in particular that they want to make sure that we talk about, anything that's off limit, you know, just the, the standard kind of stuff to make people feel at ease and hopefully forget that they're being recorded. Yeah. That being said, I mean, we've done this for many, many years, and I'll tell you oftentimes, and I haven't been able to fix this. Maybe you can give me advice. Oftentimes, the second half of our show is better than the first half. Always. Not just often, almost always. <laughs> it's like, can I invert you that somehow? You gotta warm it up. I don't know. It's a thing. 
But there's so much foundation laid that you can't just edit out the first half no. and start with the second half. Struggle is But, real. man, I'm like, once we get rolling yep. with somebody, it's like, this is good. This is yeah. interesting. Like, this is the gold. And you, you can clip out the teaser from the second half. For yeah, sure. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I find that exact. It's just, you know, human nature. That's the way we are conversationally. So when we hit record, it's the same. Ideally, anyway. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You say, you, talk, you talk about breakfast. My... My uh, sound check intro is tell me your uh, worst travel story. Somebody gave me that advice oh. a while ago about sound checks because people get very animated yeah. when they're ranting about their luggage being lost <laughs> or something like that. And so you can check different levels. Like I okay. you know, personally, the way I speak and I struggle with this editing myself, I t my, my uh, volume tends to vary tremendously, which is irritating for that core editor, which is me. <laughs> <laughs> But it's true because you can get very upset. I guess if I was being a a uh, a psychologist for a second, which I'm not, on that is that breakfast is generally positive, whereas yeah. travel stories can be yeah. somewhat negative, and it may switch so their psyche to be like angst they just get or louder. Upset. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But how do you get them out of that mode? You right. Know, like, it's like now I'm upset about my this this travel yeah. adventure Although, going wrong. The backfire on breakfast is lots of people usually. haven't had it. Right. Yeah. Or they're in Berlin, and so they're like, I just had dinner, you know, and they're not thinking yeah. about breakfast, and so then yeah. they're kind of like, I knew that, but still. I, I don't find that, that people get into a kind of a negative or angry mindset. They actually, they usually laugh about it, because, okay. it, you know, it usually wasn't that recent. We'll have to try that. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a good question. Be a good uh, plan B. We should give it a shot and see if... Because when people talk about, again, you're when, when we're, we, talk, we talk to tech people, yeah. and they're talking about projects, and they, they get really excited about whatever they're working on, or they're, they're changing the world, and then, you know, and you, they again, the volume goes up, and, and, and that's the fun part, mm -hmm. but you do want to account for that, I think, so mm -hmm. anyway this fun little anecdote yeah so tell, tell me tell me something else i think we're 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 uh we're kind of running out of time here okay but i want to hear what what did you want to share with me maybe that that i didn't get to keep doing it podcasting is awesome it's fun right tell stories find stories share them get people to listen you know do what you can to like find somebody who is less known and help them become more yeah. known or has a story that can't quite articulate it and help them articulate it yeah. There's so much power in that as indie media. I suppose you work at Intel, and that's less indie right. than but the different. format is still indie. We have a lot of power, right? Yeah. We, we don't have to ask for the permission to publish to an RSS feed. And right. I suppose yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why it I said in your case you do, it's right? It's absolutely empowering, though. Yeah, yeah. But the process of producing a podcast or this kind of thing is just like you you have the power to help people find new people across the globe. Yeah. We can connect anywhere and thanks to cdns and things like that people could download our show fast in japan you know like it's not somewhere in like virginia for example yeah you know it's it's everywhere everywhere you can listen to an english show which is the primary language we do we have transcripts we probably should think about transcribing to other languages but we haven't cracked that nut of like different languages but keep podcasting keep doing it like don't it. stop yeah I like it. It's a it, open source. Well, again, I'm uh, completely focused on open source software, but open source is about people. It's about community. Podcasting is too. Get to know other podcasters. Grab a microphone. Hit record. See what happens. I like it. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, y'all. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Open at Intel. Be sure to check out more from the Open at Intel podcast at open.intel.com slash podcast and at Open at Intel on Twitter. We hope you join us again next time to geek out about open source.